You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Friday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, I'm, I'm repping multiple brands right now. I've got my Baby Yoda from my Disney. I've got some Homefield Michigan. Got the Locked On hat. You know what? I don't, we're going to switch it up. To the, there we go. For those who are watching, for those who are listening, it doesn't make any difference. Now I'm back in my Jesus is King hat. As you are used to seeing me. Um, nonetheless. You know it's locked on. This is this is the the, the locked on Wolverines show. Anyway, um, so today we're gonna do something. I don't want to say more interesting because it's I've already done it. I've already put it up on Wolverines Wire, but I want to discuss it. I thought it was interesting. I want to go through the both of these that I did, um, and I, I want to shout out to some other people in the Wire sites. Um, Kevin McGuire from formerly of Locked On Nittany Lions. Uh, but he still runs Nittany Lions Wire, and uh, I saw some others. I can't remember who who did uh, the other rankings, but they they were using Chat GPT, which I don't particularly like using. I don't want to be an old fuddy duddy here, but I feel like it is a dangerous proposition to get into this AI stuff. But this is harmless. This is fun. So I asked Chat GPT to rank the top ten Michigan players of all time. And then I asked it to give me the most intimidating, rank the most intimidating Big Ten stadium environments. Um, I feel like there, it, it's difficult to really criticize, to some degree, the top 10 Michigan players. Certainly there are some omissions, but it's like, who do you take out, really, of the list that they have? But I'll give you my thoughts on those. And then I have some vehement disagreements with the... Um, with the stadium rankings. Now the player rankings, which we're going to get to first, it didn't, uh, it, it, I took it because it didn't give it in a numerical sense, but it did give the preamble of this is not in any particular order. So for this, we won't put them in a particular order, but there are omissions, of course. Um, and this would probably be where it would be a lot better to get someone like Seth, uh, Fisher from MGO blog, who anytime that we've, had to do any kind of ranking, say it's like, you know, our bosses are at uh, USA Today are like, hey, everyone's doing a ranking of this or an all-time this or whatever. <laughs> Seth's always like, ooh, what about that guy who played in 1894? Like, the fact that you don't have him on this list tells me that you're not ready. Um, we don't have that here, but we, we can get into what I know, which is limited. Um, anyway... So the players, uh, we'll get through five and probably five and then start the next uh, just because this preamble has taken years. Uh, so number one, it has uh, Tom Harmon. I mean, there's three guys that are going to end up on any list when it comes to Michigan football. And the, they are the top three here. So I'll just say that now. So maybe we won't do five and five. Who knows? Tom Harmon, Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson. You can put them in whatever order you kind of want. In a way, I think that Charles Woodson should be number one. Because he won a Heisman Trophy on defense primarily. Yes, he was involved in offense, he special teams and all of that. 
but in a way, you'd kind of be like, you know, could he be number one? Should Tom Harmon be number one? As I noted in the article, Tom Harmon uh, did so many different things so well, particularly against Ohio State, that at Ohio Stadium, they gave him a standing ovation. Think about how difficult that would be, right? Uh, nowadays, it just wouldn't happen. They'd just leave, you know, I would think. I don't know. They stayed, they stayed in Ohio Stadium pretty much the whole game this year. Um, they didn't start emptying out until like the last minute or so, but Tom Harmon obviously is going to be on the list and at worst would probably be number two of the greatest Wolverines of all time. I think Charles Woodson, who has it number three, again, they said no particular order, but at the same time, they gave me new numbers instead of just like a bullet points. And to me that, that signifies something, um, at least that's the order in which it believes in some arbitrary way. Um, I think that Charles Woodson it should be number two. No disrespect to Desmond Howard. He's appeared on this show. I don't want to disrespect him at all. Uh, but uh, I, I just feel like what, what Charles Woodson did overall is just slightly more impressive. Now, that said, Desmond Howard gave us the most iconic college football moment of all time. And that is the pose. That there is no other college football moment that is anywhere as close. People are still emulating it. And there are other iconic moments, the band on the field, the Stanford Cal and, and everything. But like n- name another moment that's as iconic across the sport. There isn't one. It's there just is not. So for that, that that when you mix that with the achievements, it's yeah, you can't get much better than. Um, Anthony Carter is number four on this list. And I feel like he doesn't get enough credence because like, I feel like when I was growing up, Anthony Carter was talked about a ton and you you have to keep in mind what a big recruiting win it was for Bo Schembechler to go down into Florida and nab him, uh, how much he changed the offense. Um, obviously we all think of that big, uh, the, the come from behind victory, the touchdown to Carter with the high stepping into the end zone, Bob Eufer going nuts. Um, and obviously some of these guys, like, I mean, he played literally while I was born. I was born in 1981. He played from 79 to 82. Um, but 161 receptions, 300, sorry, 3,076 yards, 37 touchdowns. It's pretty insane. Um, I mean, he completely like he, he made the Michigan offense very pass heavy for a moment. Right. And there are very few receivers that have made that happen. Desmond Howard, Anthony Carter, and one guy who is not on this list. And that's Braylon Edwards. So I, I think he is certainly deserving of being on the list. Anthony Carter, number five, and then we'll move on here. Uh, Benny Oosterbaan. Uh, I, I I find it really difficult to quantify any of these guys who I haven't really seen play because the, he played in the 20s. He coached uh, for 10 years, uh, 1948 to 1958. There's a field house named after him that tells you his importance. Um, if or, you know, I knew Oosterbahn Fieldhouse well before I knew the player because that's just how things work when things are memorialized. And you go around the campus, you you realize very quickly, like Angel Hall. Oh yeah, James Angel. You know. Um, uh, Ruthven, whatever Alexander Ruthven. I don't remember what the what the building is, you know. But like you, you, you recognize at first you just like, oh yeah, that's that building, and then you eventually realize, oh, there's an, the name behind that building has some significance. 
Um, so, I mean, he was one of the first superstars. He played receiver. He played defensive end. Uh, the Benny Friedman to Benny Oosterbond combination was lethal. Um, he was a part of a defense that shut out every single team except for Northwestern. Michigan won that game 3-2. to two. Like the moon game, just a little bit different. Um, and uh, he, the Friedman to Oosterbond connection was part of the innovation that was the forward pass. Remember, the forward pass didn't really exist until them, which is wild. So I don't know enough to, to really be like, yeah, absolutely. I have seen all 140 plus years of Michigan football, and I know that this guy should be on it. But he is memorialized in a way that you would say, yes, that's probably accurate. I mean, everyone on this list is deserving, but I just feel like there's guys that also are deserving. So, yeah, it just is what it is. Um, all right, we're going to move on. We've got more coming up here in just a moment. Before we do move on, and, okay, I, I changed my computer to this whole, like, save, save things and reload screen, so now it takes a minute sometimes. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories and you need to get the best tasting protein bar ever built, you have got to try this. If you are like me and you want to healthier, make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, then I have got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing you won't think they're good for you, but you've got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they become in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you know what? Now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. All right, let's continue on. We got more of these, the other five of these. I don't know how, how timing of this is all going to work. I do want to, to, just in case we don't get to it at the end, I, I do, I do want to get like the, the this AI stuff, I think, needs to be taken a little bit more seriously. I, mean, I think it's more fun when we're when you're able to do stuff like this, where it is literally just having fun. Right. You're not. You're, you're you know, it's I think it, it I, I don't know that the how the dangers necessarily work, because the very innocent person that I can certainly be naive says like well if if it starts trying to get out of the proverbial box or whatever you just shut down everything but i don't know that 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 necessarily works either right like just just shut it down just turn the power off because there are certainly some some dangers we've seen those movies right terminator movies exist <laughs> um and then you've got things like uh you know just i i always love uh dr ian malcolm in jurassic park your scientists were so preoccupied whether you could, they didn't stop to think of whether they should. But if it if it's if it's delegated strictly to something like this, where you're just like, hey, let AI rank this, rank that. 
that's fun. But it does become a little bit alarming when you see people like creating these videos of people talking and it sounds and looks like them and they're using a couple different AI um, software elements and combining them. And it's like, what is even reality now? That's what where where this gets to be a danger, but we're gonna have fun with it while it's something that we can still have fun with. That's where we're at. Number six is Dan Deardorff, kind of the quintessential tough guy, Michigan tackle. I mean, he has to be on the list. I think he, you know, he he's he he played for Bo Schembechler. He was a major part of that. Uh, of that team that beat Ohio State after uh, playing for Bump Elliott uh, for a year. Um, he was an All-American in his uh, final year in 1970. He's a Michigan legend. He's an NFL legend. He's a broadcasting legend. You know, I grew up not even knowing that Dan Deardorff played for Michigan and just knowing him from NFL media, right? And so it was... Like it blew my mind when I found out that he went to Michigan, that he played for Michigan. Cause you know, when you're like seven, you don't necessarily know everything. And heck I'm 41 and I don't know everything. I don't know anything half the time, but, um, I think that, um, he is a worthy inclusion. He is the quintessential tough guy offensive tackle that Michigan's had, right? If he's not on the list, no one else can really be. Number seven is Jim Harbaugh. He is the only quarterback on this list. So no Tom Brady, no Chad Henney, no Benny Friedman, no, I mean, for all of the quarterbacks, it's kind of weird. Michigan, you always knew they were going to have a good quarterback. And now I grew up with it being Elvis Gerbach. That's like really one. Well, I grew up with Jim Harbaugh. That was, he was the first Michigan quarterback I could remember. But when I was being a little bit more intentional, it was Elvis Gerbach and then, you know, Todd Collins and, and all of those guys. Brian Greasy, Scott Dreisbach's in there somewhere. <laughs> um, and uh, but Jim Harbaugh, obviously the guarantee. And then and then going out and accomplishing it, beating Ohio State, they're, they're, that's that's the best, right? Like it doesn't get better than that. And now he's the head coach. Two Big Ten championships, two straight wins over Ohio State. He'd really, I mean, great. This best Michigan players, not best best Michigan coaches, but I mean, he's putting himself into true legendary status. He already kind of had it. Um, but it's pretty high praise that he's the number one and only quarterback on this list. That's pretty wild. I think he's deserving. I think he's one of the ten, ten best. Number eight can be a point of contention. I don't think any Michigan fan's going to disagree with this. It's Tyrone Wheatley. And the only reason why I think it's a point of contention is because he's the only running back on this list, like pure running back, right? Like some other guys, you know, maybe have done some running back stuff. But like they could have gone with Jamie Morris. They could have gone with Dutch. Don't tell Jamie I said that, by the way. I'd, I'd like to Jamie to think that we have an adversarial relationship still. Uh, it could have been Mike Hart. It could have been Anthony Thomas, the A-Train. I mean, there are uh, so many guys that you could sit there and, and, and list off and be like, it's like when I, I remember when Mike Hart, before Mike Hart 
uh, was there. I remember lamenting the fact that Chris Perry, it's like, it, it just always felt like whoever Michigan had at running back, the next guy was going to be in some way even better, or you would miss him more, you know? And I remember watching, I was going, I'd always go to my grandparents' house to watch Michigan games. And I remember telling my grandma, like, I just don't see how they replace Chris Perry. And she was really lamenting it too. And then the next year, first game, I'm over at her house uh, watching the Michigan, uh, Michigan play, whoever it was. And you see Mike Hart and it's like, aha, there it is. I think Mike Hart's the all-time leading Michigan running back. However, I mean, uh, it, ironically here, right next to, uh, to, to this on the article, it's got um, Trent's article from 2021, 10 best Michigan running backs of all time. Let's see who he has. Who he has. I, I forgot to even have uh, Bianca Batuka. I didn't even say it. He, this is the order he had. Anthony Thomas, number one. Mike Hart, number two. Bianca Batuka, number three. Chris Perry, number four. Hassan Haskins, number five. Karan Higdon. Okay, I forgot. This is this is actually goes... This doesn't have... Uh, this went back to like 1997 or something like that. That's why. Um, 1995. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> anyway. Still, difficult proposition. Um, number nine is Jake Long. Uh, and... I don't know how I feel about this one. And I, you know, I, keeping in mind, I'm friends with acquaintances with Jake's wife. I mentioned that the other day, Jackie. Um, and um, Jake was extremely good. I don't know that I would put him over two guys from the 97 team. One's a tackle, one's a guard. I don't know if I'd put him over Jansen. Heck, I don't know if I'd put him over Bacchus per se, but I guess maybe. I mean, he was the number one overall guy. Uh, I don't think I would put him over Steve Hutchinson, who I think is a big omission from this list. So, um, obviously really good. But this is, you know, this is the the whole thing. You're going to get points of contention. Number 10 is good old Jerry Ford, former U.S. president, certainly well before any of our time, played for Michigan 1932 through 1934. There are very few people alive who would be able to watch, you say, I remember watching him play uh, so if, if really any at this point, <laughs> guess there's probably a handful of people that would remember watching him play again. This, this is where things would probably like Seth Fisher could probably tell you exactly what, but that's just it. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to most intimidating, uh, locales in the big 10. See, I knew it was going to take way longer, way more long winded than I thought I was going to be. That's how it tends to go. We'll return in just a moment. All right, I don't know if the, the difference between this, where we're recording now, and it, won't, it, it probably won't be the same. I don't know that we're going to carpet the studio out in the back. And again, I don't know when that's going to be done because that's going to cost a lot of money to build out that studio. So it will probably be in season that we start it. Um, but uh, I think one of the fun parts is now is you get to hear the little footsteps of Zuri everywhere because there's uh my t my floors are all eucalyptus and so you can hear her wherever she's at at any time and currently she's in here I think she's under the desk somewhere that's what she does um anyway yep she's under the desk now most intimidating stadiums in the Big Ten 
We're going to dis- they okay, here's the here's the primer first and foremost. It out of the 14 teams it only gave me 7. This time it did give me an order. It did not say that these are in no particular order. What it did was give gave us 7. Out of the, the out of the 14, I think the only omission would be Michigan State. But Michigan State would probably be number 8 here. To be honest, but they're the only other one that belongs in the conversation. I've been to all 14 Big Ten stadiums. Only one of them have I not been to with fans, and that's Minnesota. So I at least have a pretty good idea. And I've been to multiple ones, obviously, multiple times. Um, but I think that we're going to disagree right away because number seven is Michigan Stadium. Now, if you are a longtime watcher or listener of this show, more so listener than watcher, you would know that I am usually very harsh on the Michigan Stadium crowd. Uh, I have long called it a golf crowd, which is a term that I got from a former Michigan player that you all know. <laughs> so um, I was just co-opting that, to be honest. But they... they now, ChatGBT messed up right here because it said, while well, the stadium's bowl-shaped design and location in the middle of campus. Now, it's not in the middle of campus. And I might be, you know, it's, I, I understand, you know, the English language. I'm kind of parsing the wrong thing here. It's not really in the middle of campus. It's on South Campus. It's on the edge of campus. It is at the, like, pretty much not quite the southernmost area because there's parts on State Street that go further as far as other athletic facilities. Um, as well as off of South Main, um, there's uh, something off there I don't really know, and then there's the golf course or whatever. But you know, um, I, it I just do not believe that it is the seventh most intimidating, or the eighth least intimidating. <laughs> um, it's Michigan Stadium has its moments, and it all depends on what it, the moment is. If it's a night game against a against a Michigan State. It's going to be pretty good. If it's a home game against Ohio State and Michigan has a lead at any point, it's crazy good. Michigan Stadium, in my opinion, has been up there with any stadium outside of Penn State. Uh, in terms of loudness factor and just raucousness, but it's all dependent on uh what's happening Joel Klatt said after the 2021 Ohio State game that might be the best he has ever seen as far as stadium environment uh so no I don't have Michigan at number seven but chat GPT does this is where the robots come to get us this is they subvert our ideologies to make us not see things clearly (laughs) number six TCF Bank Stadium Minnesota I don't know because the only time I've been there is the only one I've been to without fans. It had parents. I was able to text with a parent of a current player with ease while I was in the press box and he was in the stands. So I don't know. I think Michigan should be ahead of it, though. I'll say that. Number five, Kinnick Stadium, which I think is probably too low. Now, I wasn't impressed when I went to Kinnick in 20. Uh, oops, I, I had this wrong. I said 2017. I meant 2016. I'm going to have to change that. Um, I thought that uh, 2016, it wasn't that impressive. 
obviously Michigan lost. They rushed the field, all that stuff. Um, but no, I wasn't like particularly like with it there, you know? And yes, I'm going to change the sign. But um, I, I thought that in 2022, though, I was like, now this is exactly what everyone kind of said it was. I, I felt like I was in more of an SEC, big, but more Big 12. Like it felt like Old West Big 12, you know, and like the, you know, the striping was really cool. Um, it just it all of it just felt awesome. Right. Like it just felt like everything. It was loud. It, it felt like Kinnick magic was happening, which would would have been to Michigan's detriment, of course. But it just wasn't uh, it wasn't like that, in my opinion, in 2016. Maybe it's because I was cold. But it really felt like it felt like I was in big sky country. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, their band, all of it. I actually ended up really loving it when I went last year. I thought it was really cool. Um, number four is, again, too low. Memorial Stadium, Nebraska. I've only been once. It was magical. It was like... Once, especially once the game got going, I'm like, this is everything that everyone always said it was like, you can feel this is a blue blood. You can feel that this is like, you know, a place that recruits would go and be like, yes, I want this. This is what I want in my life. It was awesome. It was loud. It was fun. The balloon raising was awesome. It was just really cool. We're running up against it, so I'm not going to continue too long on that. Um, number three, and I didn't even include a picture, which is hilarious. Um, Ohio State, Ohio Stadium. I think Ohio Stadium is more like four, maybe five. I would put Ohio Stadium. I think you could you could disagree or disagree about where you put. If you, I think Michigan Stadium and Ohio Stadium are right next to each other, and you could argue which one's more intimidating or less. So keeping in mind, I've been to Michigan Stadium obviously for every home game going back to 2014. Um, actually, and you can go even to 2013 to say like, I went to like the last game, I think in 2013 and I haven't missed a home game since then. Um, but, uh, and that includes in 2020, but with Ohio stadium, I've, I've only been to Ohio state three times and it's against their biggest opponent. The, the, the team that they're going to be the most fired up for. I thought 2016 was the the best environment of the three as far as the raucousness. Uh, 2018, I thought had its crazy moments, especially when Ohio Stadium took you know got scored the first touchdown. And 2022, at no point, even when Ohio State had the lead, at no point did I feel like it was any different than Michigan playing Northwestern. Certainly, it can be loud, but I think there's also conflicting things happening at Ohio Stadium. The so-called best damn band in the land, I can't hear them over the piped-in noise most of the time. They're not amplifying them most of the time. They've got these other speakers that are sitting there blaring out the pop music, and I can't hear the band. I don't even know. Like, And the funny thing is they have the speakers right in front of the band, so a lot of times you'll be sitting there in that end zone, and the band is playing, but all you can hear is like whatever, you know, hear Harry Styles playing at that time. It's really a bizarre thing. Number two, I think, should be number one, and that's Penn State's Beaver Stadium. It's The whiteout is insane. It's incredible. It's the best, in my opinion, in the conference, maybe the country. I haven't been to LSU. Uh, that would probably be the only thing that could rival it, even 
Penn State likes to say they're unrivaled. Uh, you know, listen, a Penn Stater has been in every Super Bowl except for all the ones that they weren't. Um, but I, I love going to Happy Valley. It's my favorite road game. I love it, love it, love it. Number one here is Camp Randall Stadium, which I think belongs near the bottom, if not the bottom of this list. Phone call. That's fun. Um, I think that, uh, I absolutely think that Camp Randall is overrated. I've been three times. I've seen two losses, one win. Jump around is okay. I don't think it's particularly intimidating. I think it's okay. That's where I'm at. Never been impressed. I want to be. That's the thing. I want to be. Every time I go, I'm like, I'm going to be impressed this time. I never am. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will be back soon. Uh, probably not this weekend. So, Monday. Peace.